Hello and welcome to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. We are not on the Sportsnet Radio Network because we're actually just pod only. We have already discussed this already. Uh, we were going to pivot to podcasts. Uh, we were going to be off of TV, off of radio. Um, but it came a day sooner because the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, have parted ways with... Um, uh, what's his name again? Kyle Dubas? Yeah, um, it's, it's supposed to be a really big deal. Huge, um, you know... New scenario, so obviously uh, our plans to be on air today were dashed. Uh, if you want Leafs reaction, obviously keep it locked to uh, Sports 590 The Fan. I'm sure our guys Sam McKee and Justin Bourne and Nick Caprio's got you covered. But uh, yeah, in the meantime, um, the podcast still goes on. And uh, I'm your host, William Liu. I'm joined by producer and co-host Alex Wong, who has informed me um, that he is he is recording this episode in bed. So, um, Alex, how are you doing, man? Are you all right? Are you awake? Yo, what's good, man? Just um, just woke up from a nap. You know, we smoking on that Kyle Dubas pack today. <laughs> oh, and and we're going, we going pod only, um, like you mentioned, for, for the rest of the season. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to see how I sound on this. Um, you know, trying, trying to, you know, try out different locales as we move to pod only not going to lie. It feels great to be able to just talk hoops. Shouts to Zach Harper, uh, with you, um, you know, while in my bed. So, Mm, uh, we're just going to try one of many locales to, you know, to do this, but yeah, what's good, man. What's up? We're on pod now. You can banter now, bro. You can relax. Oh, I'm, I'm definitely (laughs) relaxed. No, I, I just mean like for you, we've already heard stories that you listen to pods in bed. You mm. listen to hashtag this league uncut. No, I dropped that bed. pod, man. Stop, stop associating me with that Chris Haynes and Mark Stein pod. They were what's good wrong for, with that pod? They were good for the trade deadline, and that was it, man. You don't like, like them? You, no, I I don't mind it, but like, do you find it to be like useful? Like to me, that's like a news dump. Like they're like a news dump podcast. Mm. I guess I guess you could bring them like Hoop Collective. I still like too, but I feel like Hoop Yo, Collective. Yo, by the way, the last yeah. Hoop Collective. I mm. mean. I got. I got to say something, man. The last hoop collective. I didn't really understand what um, Mike Malone was saying. You know, after the game, he was being like, you know, everybody's talking about the Lakers. Well, when we're up two zero, now put that in your pipe and pipe and smoke it. Which is like, wow, all yeah. right. No, he's that's, smoking that. He's smoking that national media narrative pack, man. Yo, that's less legit. The uh, the Caucasian <laughs> version of uh, smoking on that Lakers pack. All right, but yeah. put that in your pipe and smoke it. Okay, I've, I think I've heard that from uh, J.R. Tolkien. Uh, when he was writing Lord of the Rings. Yo, that's insane. How do you know another <laughs> JR, man? I only know one JR. That's the only JR I stand, man. That's, that's my wild. J Rizzy. Um but yeah, like that that Hoop Collective podcast, which was supposed to be just a reaction podcast to game two, which is a phenomenal game. Obviously the, the Nuggets uh, beat the Lakers and, and we'll talk about it here too. Um but the whole reaction was just about the Lakers. Like at one point, like, you know, um, they got some of the other guys on, and they were like, "Yeah, it's such a shame that LeBron's down two nothing." Like, I feel I felt so bad for him, and I was like, "What do you mean, man?" Nah, like, listen, man. That's, please, that's how it works, Lakers, man. This is that's, not silver screen and roll, man. Like, this is not Lakers blog. Like, come on, what are we doing here? No, that's not Adam Silver screen and roll, man. But like, oh. LeBron's been the main character, right? And he's gonna I mean, be the main character until he retires, and. I don't even know if it's like a ratings thing. I think these guys are just so used to talking about the Lakers. You know what they're I mean? Just conditioned to it, huh? I yeah, mean... like like they're so used to just talking <sighs> about any LeBron led team. And like I don't even mind Malone saying that stuff. Like I actually appreciate a coach. Like I was thinking like 
Remember last series in the second round when Steve Kerr started calling out the Lakers for flopping? Mm. Like when they went up, like when they were down 3-1. And like that's like a last resort type tactic, right? Like when a coach gets desperate and stuff, tries to find the edges. Like I respect Malone coming out swinging like as they're going up 2-0. You know what I mean? Like he's not waiting till his team is down. Like I feel like he's trying to instill this like level of confidence in his squad not that like they have no swag or whatever, but like, yo, I respect what Mike Malone is doing right now. Like, like that that national media narrative stuff. Like, it's like it's a pretty low bar type thing to say. I feel like, mm-hmm. like, like you've you've been the best team in the league. Like, Jokic just won back to back MVPs. Like on the surface, it's pretty ridiculous, but I respect him like taking that stance, man. Yeah, um, I, I respect it, but also at the same time, it is kind of like arguing with the win, right? Like, who is he of really course. arguing with? Like, he's arguing with an ESPN producer at that point. Like, you know what I mean? No, he's, that's he's, crazy. He's arguing with Alex Wong, ESPN, man. Like, <laughs> yo, that's crazy. He's arguing with uh, Andrew Hahn if he still works there, man. Damn. Yeah. All right. That's that's wild. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I think the Lakers centric coverage. I, I know people complain about it, but listen, man, it's. I was gonna say, is it even Lakers. like what the audience wants? Like, we just kind of assume that that's what the audience wants, where we can understand, like, okay, Los Angeles is a bigger city and a bigger market than Denver, and so if you just want to cater towards who is clicking the content more, you might go towards a bigger population, all that kind of stuff. Like, I understand all that, but like, I don't know. I just thought it was a phenomenal game last night, and I didn't really watch it feeling bad for LeBron, except for when he went up for a dunk in transition and try to throw in his, you know, classic, like two-handed reverse windmill. And he just lost the ball out of bounds, which actually ended up being a pretty important play when you look at the, at the end of the game when it was one possession. But um, no, I didn't feel bad. I just really liked it for basketball. And I just feel like for the sport of basketball, like it was a phenomenal game last night and there's nothing to feel bad about. I think everyone can just kind of go home feeling pretty good about the fact that we got served yet another classic basketball game. Like that's what yeah. the class is all about been about so i don't feel bad for any sort of result i mean obviously it's easy for me to say as a neutral but i feel like most people watching in the conference finals are neutrals right yeah for sure man the basketball game was sick last night i just felt like just the tension and the back and forth between the two teams like coming into the game and like i felt like watching that first quarter it was like a heavyweight match and you know it seemed like it seemed like the lakers had had control of that game and then you talked about like braun missing that reverse windmill and then I think later on he smoked another layup. And then, of course, at the end when they were trying to come back down four with, I think, like 30 seconds left. And, like, Murray threw that pass to, like, you know, midcourt to Jokic. And LeBron just sprinted and grabbed it. Mm-hmm. And you thought he was going to go in and at least get a layup, maybe even an and one, make it a one-point game. Then it's a real game. And then he blows that one, too. Like, I don't even know how to react to those, man. Like it, it's it's um it's crazy. Like he's obviously injured. Like I don't even think it's the fact that he's thirty eight. Like shouts to the thirty eight boys. Like we ride Yo, forever. Can we explain the thirty eight boys, man? Can we yeah, just explain so, that one? All right, thirty eight boys. So um like had a chance to run into um uh, general manager of the Toronto Raptors, Bobby Webster, uh, a few weeks ago in the city, and then you know one of the things I was asking him because like he's always prom- he's always people always talk about him as like oh he's such a He's the youngest GM in the league and all that stuff. Like, he's such a young kid, like, rising star. And I asked him, I'm like, yo, how old are you? They always talk about you like you're young. And then we found out that we're both 38. 
Mm. Um, so then after some conversation, like, you know, it's been decided that me, him and LeBron are the 38 boys. Got you. This is um, like the disgusting brothers, but like, just, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah, All right. Yeah, you, yeah. Bobby and LeBron. Yeah. Me, Bobby and LeBron, a combined net worth of like uh 5 billion of which I'm contributing, like, you know, 1% to. So yeah, it's just yeah. that's still generational wealth, man. One percent no, of five billion is generational wealth. Don't get no, it twisted. No, I'm sitting. I'm sitting in the five hundred level um, of, of of this triplet right here. But yeah, it's um yeah, it's hard to see another thirty eight boy go through it like that because, <laughs> like you said, man, like when you look back uh-huh. on the game, like those were all huge points. Like I, I know, I'm sure we're gonna talk about Jamal Murray, like just kind of taking over, and and breaking the game open in the fourth, but like. Man, I know we're neutrals, but if I'm a Lakers fan, like I, I kind of like I know they, I know it's it can still be a series, but man, I feel like I feel like they might have lost the series last night, man. Yeah, I mean, look, I think, I, I think the, both games have been fairly competitive. I think both teams can feel pretty good about this result. Like, obviously, Denver is sitting up two zero, um, but I think the Lakers have been pretty competitive. There's a couple of things I would do if I were the Lakers. Um, number one, I would just stop crashing for offensive rebounds. I feel like, especially in Denver, um, and I spoke about this at the start of the series too, but Denver just plays with this like ridiculous pace um, when they are at home. And I don't know if it's just like them capitalizing off of the, the altitude or whatever. It's a very smart strategy, but they're also awesome in transition. Like I, I thought the Lakers, first off, obviously had control of this game for a long portion of it. Even Denver's half-court offense, which is typically pretty good, wasn't even that effective. However, they kept themselves in the game by just being able to run as much as possible. And I was thinking about it from the Lakers' perspective, and it's just like, yo, like you guys can't give them any chances to run in transition. Now, you have to limit that as much as possible. And I think kind of two ways you can really do that. Number one, like stop crashing for the offensive glass. Or if you do, crash with one of your guards who can then come back and get back, or even a wing who can do that. Don't crash with LeBron. Don't crash with uh, AD in particular because when you guys go for that rebound and you guys miss, and l- last night the Lakers only had four offensive rebounds, it is just a four-on-five break. And, and like, you know, when we watched the Raptors the last couple of years, we're like, all right, here's a three-on-one fast break, and the Raptors lose the ball out of bounds. You know what I mean? Like, the Nuggets don't do that. The Nuggets get a great look every single time, especially in transition, whether it's a pull-up three or it's, like, athleticism going to the rim, guys dunking it. Um, guys making multiple passes. Everyone knows exactly their role. Like even a five on four fast break, which isn't even that lethal when you really think about it, is still that good for Denver. So you got to stop committing efforts towards the offensive glass in that way where you're taking your best defender in AD and getting to the offensive glass. Like he chased the glass all night. He got one offensive rebound. And meanwhile, the Nuggets got a ton of transition points. I think that's one. I think number two, like the Lakers play so much offense out of AD. I get it. Like, I totally get it. Like, um, you know, he he's capable of doing it, right? Like, he had, like, 30 points in game one. Um, and then, you know, um, he had the alternating days thing happen again yesterday when he had only 18 points of 415 shooting. But, like, I wouldn't station AD so close to the basket um, and, and involve him as much on offense or even force him as much on offense because of the fact that, like, okay, if he misses the shot, then he's trapped under the glass, then the Nuggets break. Like, I... I'm doing everything possible to break away from that, knowing that I think the Lakers have other ways to attack the Denver's um, defense. I think they don't necessarily need AD to thrive offensively and give you 30 just to win a game. Uh, I think LeBron can get to the rim. I think that they can play more pick and roll, which I think, um, you know, uh, especially last night with the Nuggets dropping, that's that's an invitation to play more pick and roll. 
Um, obviously, Rui Hachimura can't miss. Like, there are other ways to sort of score without AD. But I just think, yeah, when, when they return back to Denver, they really need to consider how you can play conservatively, not crash the glass, and not emphasize AD going to the basket as much. Because once you miss those shots, once you don't get those rebounds, like, you're just completely carved apart by Denver. I do think that going home, um, Denver just obviously they're kind of unbeatable at home, right? Like, this is like their, what, eighth win now at home? Yeah, eight and zero now in yeah. the playoffs. I mean, and Lakers they were, are Lakers are six and zero. You know, at home, if they want to hold yeah, on sure. to something right now, sure. And I think the Lakers going home like will help them a lot. I, I don't think the Nuggets will play as fast, and I think that Lakers have actually done a decent job in terms of the half court defense against Denver. Like their defense against Denver yesterday was pretty good. Like going into Denver, holding to one hundred eight is almost as good as you can really expect. Yoka shot under five hundred, nine of twenty one from the field, only got six free throw attempts force them into five turnovers. Like, that's as good as you can really get. Um, and the Lakers are really good defensively. So I think the Lakers will actually go home and um, a couple of things will tilt their way. They only need a couple of things just because these two games have both been super close. But yeah, when they come back to Denver, they're definitely going to need to consider, like, you know, how they're going to guard against transition. And, you know, it's interesting because I listened to a... And it, this is how down bad for NBA content. And I, I, I listened to a Jock Landale podcast. No, not, man. Not, he has his own pod? No, no, he doesn't have his own pod, but he was Who on he, another man? podcast. The sports guy? That's crazy, man. <laughs> he literally the sports guy. Well, Damn. he is he is white, so he's only uh, one one deal away from joining the ringer. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, Jock Landa was talking about the podcast, and he was being asked about guarding Nikola Jokic in the last series. Um, you know, when the Suns lost to the Nuggets in six games, and he was a primary defender on on on. Um, on Jokic, especially because Dominating got benched repeatedly. Uh, no, for, that's for, for, yo, that has become the funniest nickname in the league, man. <laughs> yo, this uh, he the does fact not, that he's dominating is killing me, man. You can't you can't dominating people with pick and pop games, man. Like it's just not it's not it, man. Like, Holy. um, but Jock Landa was talking about how like he was like, all right, I was gonna go all out and crash for every glass, um, and crash the glass just so that I can put more miles on Jokic and and get opportunities to jump onto his back, essentially, not like trying to hurt him. Just, like, exhaust him a little bit. Like, make him work on the defensive glass. That's fine if you're Jock Lando and you're young and you have all that energy and you can sprint back and all that kind of stuff. It's not fine when you're AD. AD also is going to – you can't waste his energy. You know what I mean? So, man, it's really a battle of attrition when you go to Denver. And, and yeah, I mean, I don't know. The Lakers were in a good position, but then Jamal just went off. Like, Yeah, Jamal, Jamal went off, man. Uh, five, what was it? Five of 17 heading into the fourth. And then he just exploded for 23 points. This man, this man looked over at Mike Breen and called bang mm. after after hitting one of those threes, which which to me is the coolest moment of these playoffs so far. Some somebody was like, Oh, what about when what about when uh Steph said like like the beam and like smack the button? Um pretty you know, when he when he dropped 15 game seven. But this one was just super cool. And like I'll give Jamal more, more points because he's in the conference finals, you know, it's it's similar to when we play pickup on Tuesday and you yell bucket, oh. uh, regardless of whether the ball uh, is in the net or not, you know? So it really reminded me of that. Um, uh, but, you know, and, okay. and, and we should also share the story of me giving you the too small for no reason. <laughs> okay. So to be clear, um, this past ball run, I had pulled my back just like the, the, the run is at nine 30. Yeah. Um, I'm sitting, it's like seven o'clock. I'm sitting on the couch. I think I'm watching like, I don't know, succession probably. <laughs> yeah, it's only succession right now because this man is now fully caught up. Oh, I'm I'm caught up, man. I'm caught up. I'm watching all the succession videos on YouTube. There's a lot of great like behind the scenes commentary and all that kind of stuff. I love eating that kind of stuff up. But um, I'm sitting on the couch and it's and I just like 
got up from the couch, but like I sprained my back somehow, or like I pulled my back somehow. Um, then I was like, all right, this, this kind of sucks. But like, I got like two and a half hours until the game. Like I'll, I'll, I'll just like, you know, walk around, maybe like stretch a little bit, you know, whatever. Ultimately ended up playing, had a terrible run was, was breaking a lot of threes. Um, I didn't, think you, a, I didn't think you were that bad. You just missed shots, man. No, I, I mean, I wasn't like, yeah, but I mean, I, I expect to make shots, right? Last run I went through, like I made like six threes. This one, I made like one. No, that's fair. Um, but you know, that, that was painful. Um, but the more painful thing was. I was guarding in the paint because that's all I really do. I don't want to come to the perimeter on that kind of stuff. No, you don't uh, play D, bro. It's 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 been established. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a lot of hand checking. It's a lot of like me using my size to like <laughs> Yo, push you, a guy. You, yeah, you might be dominating, man. You gotta shed that label. I, you know, I was recently asked uh, on a, on a podcast, and I'm sure you're gonna be listening to. You know what I'm talking about. Um, oh god. And uh, yeah, I was asked for my basketball comp, and I instantly said Georges Niang. So mm, yeah, you, you had a little Kyle Lowry too. A little Kyle Larry, what does that mean, man? That's, I just, that's a... I just wasn't able to get by you. You were an immovable oh. object. Well, yeah. I mean, I I know exactly what you're gonna do. Plus, I'm taller than you, and I'm bigger than you. Like, you know, yeah. yeah plus, you foul. Plus, I foul, and you never call foul, which which is you know, you I, can't I gotta call res- those fouls though. Man. I, I respect you, know, you for that. When we play pickup, it has to be like an obvious foul. Like, I gotta have. Yeah. A... I gotta have a scar. My arm's gotta be turning green, which it did last week. <laughs> I was gonna say, man, who's your NBA cop? Jalen Green? Yo, I don't know, man. Like. I feel like if somebody bit me or something, man. Anyways, uh, yeah, yeah, share anyways, the story so, of me hitting you with that too small, man. So I'm guarding in the paint. For some reason, I don't know if you guys had a set player or something, but you guys had like, um, they had you curling off of two screens, but in yeah, the middle it, of the paint. It looked really pretty, to be honest, when I think back. Uh, like, it. it's it kind of looked like you guys were running floppy almost. That's but crazy. But, like, you're not even a shooter. And, again, like, the usually when you think of screens nowadays, like you're thinking about screens being set, like, you know, at the three-point line or maybe even, like, slightly below the three-point line, but high enough so that there's an opportunity for driving and spacing. For some reason, you guys set a set up double screens, like, at the edge of the paint. Um and you came off that. I was the help defender. I was there. I rotated over. I put my hand up. You hit me with your signature lefty hook. Really, it was more of, I think, our defense probably needed to be a little more solid. But you hit me with a little push floater. And then, as you were running back up the court, <laughs> you hit me with the too small Patrick Beverly style, man. For no like, reason. Bro, For no reason, man. Is that an opportunity to hit a too small? Like, no, you're I, coming I, off of a cut. No, I gotta That's say, crazy. I, it's I not like wrong. you beat me one on one going to the rim, no, man. I was wrong for that. You know, it wasn't like I shot over you or anything like that. You guys were running but, elevator doors, but you took the stairs, man. No, but I was waiting. I was just waiting all night to to kind of pull oh. that out, and like I just I just needed an opportunity. Yeah. Um, well, after that, I, I you you kept trying to hit a three on me, which is definitely oh, not your game. Oh man, a couple of them were online, man. Bro, I left you wide open for like four straight threes, man. Yeah, you, you took every one, and, and they were all stops. So. Man, so yeah, um, similar to LeBron, I'm shooting zero percent, um, from from three in these conference finals. But yeah, um, what was it? Yeah, so Jamal, yeah, Jamal went off in the fourth, mm. but like the Lakers still had a chance. And listen, man, you know they they had they had um, you know Osaka, Michael Jordan, and then Rui Hachimura, who, okay, who was, who was throwing a perfect game and had 17 points in in the first half. Shout out to Takashi. And then during his halftime interview with Lisa Salters, you know, she's like, yo, how are you doing this? And he's like, yeah, they have no rim protection. Like, he's straight up just like, because like, I mean, if you watch it back too, like he was just driving straight up on Jokic and like finishing at the basket. 
Yeah. Um, which was really good. Like Rui gave them a lot yesterday, gave them 21 points. Mm-hmm. You know, Reeves, who like I feel like now is like you need like 25 from him every night. Um, gave them 22 and hit like five threes and like they were still in it. They made another push after the Murray push. Mm-hmm. But like we said, like, I don't know, man, like Michael Porter Jr. messed up because he like couldn't inbound the ball, which like, you know, resulted in a turnover. You had Jamal uh, inbounding off a off a timeout there at the very end in the last 30 seconds. And he threw the ball away mm-hmm. like there were opportunities like AD at one point hit a corner three. And then he came back down too, and I think um, tried he to spam hit a couple one. more. Yeah, yeah, that, he that, likes, that's yeah. not your game. That's he not your spam, game. He spammed a couple more, and like obviously LeBron was zero for six, um, you know, from three overall in the game, and like there were a couple there early in the fourth quarter where it dropped. Like that would have changed the game too. Like that's that's where I feel like they lost, man. Like they shot eight of thirty, like you mentioned. I thought they played, I thought they played really well overall for like a game in Denver, but like. Denver's just a tough team, man. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Jokic has a terrible game, and I look up and he has 23, 17, and 12. Yep. Like, I, don't, I didn't even feel his impact at all. Like, Bruce Brown, I thought was was going to be this round's Dylan Brooks, but, like, he's been amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, he's got 12, he had 12 points plus 16 yesterday, talking trash to the Lakers bench to the point where former Raptor coach Phil Handy, like, stepped on the court oh, and was ready to scrap. Yeah, during a timeout. <laughs> I think he had to be held. He had to be held back by Darvin Ham, which was That's... like hilarious. Um, uh, but right. yo, you can only beat Denver in like segments of the game, man. To beat yep. them across forty-eight minutes, especially in Denver, is just impossible. And I get that the Lakers are are going home, but man, you get that game from Rui, you get that game from Reeves, and like your two stars just didn't step up, man. That 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 was the game that you steal on the road, and they didn't do it. I mean, both games. That was a commentary for the Lakers' perspective. But, I mean, I, I think, look, the, the Lakers' positives they can take away is that, one, they, they continue to be able to find ways to get into the paint um, on offense. And I think watching Rui Hachimura has been really impressive. Like, not only is he, like, catching shooting for three, which, you know, is something that he could do, or the mid-range, which is something that, you know, that was probably the first skill that he came into the league with. Um, but he's also been able to go to the rim, made a couple of reverse finishes, got to the foul line as well. He's just been super efficient. By the way, the Lakers got Rui Hachimura for Kendrick Nunn and three seconds? Like, no, in this, they, in this no, economy? They, yo, where where they, Jay Crowder costs five second rounders? You telling me you got rid of Kendrick Nunn and you got... They only added three second rounders for Rui, who you can then re-sign? That's... that's that, I mean, I you know, Rob Palenka, I wasn't familiar with your game, honestly. Yo, Palenka should win exec of the year, man. Not, not to not to become part of the national media narrative problem. And like, All right, Dave McMenamin. Stan the Lakers. No, shout out to my guy, McTen, though. Although yeah. he was on Hoop Collective being like, man, Lakers really going to make the conference finals and then lose to Denver? Yeah. Like, people yeah. just don't watch Denver, man. I don't know if you saw. I think it was. Yeah, people really I, don't watch Denver. I don't want to misquote it, but it's like, I think I think it was Lisa Salters who like admitted on a pod this week that she had never yeah. watched uh, Jokic. Which is like, yeah, crazy. I mean, you know, respect to Lisa Salter, she, you know, she a legend too, but like, doesn't she yeah. like ha- spend half her time in the NFL and all that kind of stuff? That's, that's not really excusing the fact that like, you no, know, that's, that's you fair. see the MVP, but, but like, but I mean, it's I, I kind of get it. I kind of get it. It's wild to me because like Denver's, Denver's been a good team for like the past four or five years. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. Like yeah. It's, it's not like they just came out of nowhere, but I mean, the same thing happened to the Raptors too. When when they were you know quote unquote contenders yeah but we like, didn't have we didn't have no Jokic 
unfortunately. No, no one came we, to Toronto was like, yo, I was so familiar with Patrick Patterson's game. Yo, we didn't even have a Jamal Murray, man, to be honest. <sighs> man, like, do we even have a Michael Porter Jr.? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, oh, that's tough, man. Yo, yeah. Por- Por- Michael Porter Jr. Oh, no, no, no. Let's not. I was going to be like Michael Porter Jr. or OG, man. I guess it would yeah. be OG. That is one yeah. of the conversations we had after the ball run on Tuesday. <laughs> so oh, God. I guess we're taking conversations from there. No, but I mean, like, I think um, from the Lake perspective, like, yeah, they were able to get to the rim against Denver both games. I think they can mm. continue doing that. Um, I do think that they did better in terms of the half-court defense. There's no real doubt about that. And, um, you know, I think some of that is really just based on the fact that uh, when they have put other guys as the primary defender on Jokic and made AD a help defender, I think the Nuggets for a second straight game really struggled with where to put Aaron Gordon. They can't really take Aaron Gordon on the group. To be honest, the the Nuggets are low-key just getting by with, like, six guys. Like, last night they played... Aaron Gordon, 39 minutes. Michael Porter Jr., 31. Jokic, 42. Jamal Murray, 43. Uh, Murray played the entire second half. Jokic sat for like uh, a minute and a half and then got a TV timeout and came back in. So he basically played the entire second half as well. KCP. um, And then they played uh, Bruce Brown, uh, 37 minutes off the bench. You know, you you saw like, you know, Jeff Green with 15 minutes, but I never really feel like they're good minutes. I always feel like they're just kind of buying time. And, of course, they don't really trust the rest of the bench, which, honestly, I don't really you know, disagree with. I think the only guy they can really bring off the bench is um, Christian Brown. Um, but other than that, like, you know, I'm not really trusting the rest of them. But, um, yeah, like, the, they've been able to um, flummox the Nuggets in the half court with AD as the help defender. I think Gordon just needs to figure out where to situate himself. This is not something new for him. I think, you know, we've seen other teams use the strategy against Denver before and obviously having AD as a help defender is, is not easy to score against even if he's off of you he's still able to rotate back and his length is really good but I just think that there are other ways for Gordon to to position himself like right now for the most part he's only basically standing in the dunker spot like maybe once in a while space out to three um, I know he can knock those down he had a really bad attempt earlier um, in the game yesterday but you know I think you know he's capable of knocking down an open three I'm sure almost every NBA player is I also think that there are other opportunities where he can like space out, not just from the dunker spot, but like flash up to sort of the middle of the paint or maybe even at the top of the paint a little bit, just so that you have more space to sort of launch for a little push shots and floaters. I don't think that necessarily like um, changes the way uh, the Lakers play. Like if obviously if, if their offense ends up being a lot of Aaron Gordon floaters from the top of the paint, um, I don't think Denver's, or I don't think um, the Lakers are going to change their defense. But at the same time, like you got to find ways to make him more useful because right now he's basically only scoring off of putbacks and transition dunks and those those are cool but like you you just need a little bit more in the half court um so i think there are more adjustments for denver to make but yeah i mean i'm like it's it's a close it's a close series like i think you had lakers in six i had um denver in seven like we both expected this series to go long and i'm pretty i'm pretty much expecting the lakers to come back to two um be just Man. based on how close the, the games have been I, no. I, do you feel like the denver nuggets are just like landsliding their way through this because i don't i don't get that impression no, like I, I feel like the Lakers do have for sure they're gonna have some fight in them. Like I think, I think when Nuggets went up two zero on Phoenix, like I wrote Phoenix off because like mm. I just didn't think, yeah. I just didn't think Phoenix had the roster, and like you know they just didn't have it to 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 win like four out of five to to get them after they were down two zero. I think the the margin of error is just so thin when you're playing Denver, and it's obviously even thinner now now that you're down two zero. Like they need AD to outplay Jokic in one of these games. Like, I know he had 40 in the first game, but, like, man, Jokic should respond. Like, he had his own, like, 30, 20, and 10. Mm-hmm. Like, they – and I don't know if they're just asking too much of AD and LeBron right now on defense. 
Like LeBron had to guard Jokic for 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 the second half, and it's like, at what point are you just asking them to do too much? Like like uh, as as two way players, because like we've seen this from AD like throughout the playoffs where he has these like pretty good defensive games, but then he'll toss you a two of eleven on the other end, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, I just like we, we like I was saying he was like a 2001 Honda Civic, you know, like you can only get so much out of him. Like at I some mean, point during the game, you're going to step on, try to get on the highway and it's still going to be 80 miles an hour, man. Like you can't move. Well, like, okay. so I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I, I think the other thing, too, is like I think at this point they need two other guys to step up like every night. Like they actually need this from Reeves and Rui like every night. Cause like they need to score yeah. against this team too, and like I don't even know. I was gonna ask you like I feel like they should be benching D'Lo at this point. Like maybe play him like five minute spurts. Like you can start him still, but I feel like he's getting played off the floor in this series, man. Yeah, I mean it's been interesting because I, I don't I don't think he's a huge positive out there right now, um, especially without the ball in his hands. Like he's pretty much just a spot up shooter. Um, there's probably an opportunity, especially if LeBron struggles like this, like. You give a you give if you're gonna have Russell on the floor, give him the ball a little bit to let him play pick and roll. He's pretty good at the mid range pull up or even a pull up three occasionally. And if if the Nuggets continue to drop, which they did for a lot of game two, um, there's opportunities for a guard to really pull up in that area. And you could get to see if Russell has it or not. If he doesn't have it, fine, just pull the plug, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, like I, I think they're you either use him. Or you just you, you don't really have him on the floor because like yes he can spot up for three he unfortunately he was one for five last night, um, but you know otherwise he's a defensive liability and you definitely need as much probably as much size on the floor against Denver as possible but also you need like live active bodies who are competing on both ends of the floor especially with how quickly the Nuggets get out in transition you know like I don't really watch in a half court and I was like okay Russell's getting picked on they're they're screening to get him specifically in the matchup I'm sure they do that to a certain degree but. It's not like they're only targeting him in the half court. That's not the defensive liability where it really shows. I think where it shows more is in transition. So you need guys who are more committed to sort of competing on that end. Unfortunately for the Lakers, like, I don't know, man. Schroeder, Lonnie Walker, like, these are other guards in their rotation aside from Reeves. Like, they haven't really given you much either. Um, Lonnie Walker really had his moments in the uh, Warriors series. Maybe he'll do it again. But, you know, I I think that was sort of a one-off. I look at him almost like... Remember how Norm used to have some of those huge playoff moments for the Raptors, but it was never in a consistent way. It was just like, oh, the matchup is right. The, the defense is focused here or there. And then, boom, one guy just, like, takes over, you know, pretty much always against the Milwaukee Bucks. And, you know, he gives you that little push. But it's not, like, a guarantee or anything like that. I think with Schroeder, like, you can use him a little bit more. His defensive energy is really good. But he's got to be able to make shots. And he's definitely not as good of a shooter as Russell. So there is still a bit of a gap on the the, the Lakers roster. There's no doubt about that. Um I mean, I, I doubt at this point they really want to dust off, you know, Troy Brown Jr., who I remember very distinctly from this game or this season where when the Lakers came to town, uh, Herbie called him Tony Brown Jr. for the entire game. Yo, and he played like for 40 the, minutes. <laughs> yo, for the whole game, man. Yo, who do you think who do you think should have been blamed? Because like, you know, like Troy Brown could have said something. I feel like uh, Nick Nurse could have said something because, like, you know, he probably, you know, scouted this team and, like, obviously knows the guy's name. Uh-huh, like, Darvin sure. Ham could have said something. Like, yeah. who was at fault in that situation? Like, who should have spoken up, in your opinion, during those 40 minutes? Like, someone should have spoken yeah. to Herbie about that. No, you're right. You're right. I think it's a collective failure. I mean, I think it's probably someone on the Lakers' perspective, right? Like, Someone's that, that got to say team. something, man. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. a one-time blunder is fine, but, man. 
Yeah. Like for 40 minutes? That's wild, man. Yeah, that was wild. Um, you also have Malik Beasley, but like, yeah, he's also a guy who just doesn't play defense and kind of just only shoots threes. So I don't know. Like, you maybe feel a little bit more confident tossing him into a playoff rotation, like at home more than you do on the road. But man, I don't know, man. I'm looking at the minutes for like this. Like, you know, Vanderbilt started yesterday, played only 17. He's minutes. not doing anything, though. That's the thing. Like, he's really just a one way. No, he's a he's a placeholder energy guy. Yeah, he's a placeholder for them. And then like Rui and Schroeder both both play 30. Like, I think this series is just going to be two teams going with like a seven man rotation, basically. And like both teams are just going to go at it. And just like the top players are going to decide it. And like, mm. I think I think AD and Braun can outplay Yoka Jamuri. But sure. like I don't know if they can do that four times. Like especially now that you've blown these two games, man. Like you couldn't have asked for more from guys like Reeves and Rui, uh-huh. and and like in the first two games. And I don't think I don't think you could. Like I thought they played two pretty good games, honestly, in Denver. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. T- to me, that's why it's so discouraging that you're not coming back one one. Okay, all right. Like, all right, Brian Windhorst. No, nah, man. Like it's okay, it's man. Just... You already have the next one. All right, you you got your claws in the brawny. You you got you got the no, Victor Wembanyama no, exclusives in Paris. Like you're good, man. Oh man, you know yeah. So like I'm sure Adam Silver's gonna make the call on like game three. I'm assuming the Lakers take it, and and then the series is we're gonna see <laughs> we're gonna see in game four, man. Yeah, I've seen this movie too many times. No, I mean I, I think that's kind of the way it needs to go, right? But I, I do think the Lakers have enough. I mean like they are shooting also pretty poorly from like like. 8 of 30 from 3 last night was just, like, they really just needed, like, one or two more threes, you know? I'm yeah, not going to make it sound it. like the Raptors, but, like... But they're not, like, a crazy shooting team, though, is the thing. No, but, like, LeBron going 0 for 6. I mean, like, I know he hasn't made a 3 in the conference finals, but, like, LeBron can hit shots, man. No, I hear you. It's just, I don't know, man. I'm... I knew Denver was good, but through these two games, like, to mm-hmm. me, it's just their composure... All oh yeah, this stuff, right? Because like when teams get to this a certain level as they move on, and if they don't have that experience, like obviously they had that conference finals appearance in the bubble, but it's not like the Nuggets have been doing this for a long time, like say a Warriors team, and it's like that's all the stuff that I've, I've been so impressed by. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like they're just yo, they're a juggernaut, man. Like, like just I don't know, man. I I'm really scared of this team. Like, like they're they're I they they're clear championship favorites to me right now, man. Like. Like, I don't know, man. Like, those two games, no, I don't want to sound like Windy, man, but I feel like the Lakers might have blown it, man. It's tough. Yeah, I I think with the Nuggets, too, like, it was impressive yesterday watching in the fourth quarter. Like, they, they were, in the third quarter, they were down double digits. Um, yeah. And then, of course, they made that huge, huge push. But in the fourth quarter, that's when they really took control and not just um, erased the deficit, but pushed ahead. And I think at one point, they made, like, five straight threes. And it's just like, guys are just not afraid. Uh, at all of the moment like you know what I mean like nobody was tight Michael Porter Jr. just like comes off a screen catches and shoots and pulls up and 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 it's and it's cash and then Jamal Murray like late shot clock we know what he can do but like even Bruce Brown who is even like a dead-eye three-point shooter he hit a transition three like there was like I don't know 18 seconds on the shot clock nobody in the in the paint they got the offensive rebound and he's just like yeah I'm semi-open in transition at the top of the floor I'm going to pull for this three, too. So it's just uh, it's, the whole group is really impressive. And, and and you know, I think everyone talks about the, how the Lakers always have, like, different guys stepping up for them. Like, the same thing happens for the Nuggets, right? Game one, I thought KCP made some huge plays in the fourth quarter. You didn't even see KCP in the fourth quarter in this game, I'm pretty sure. But, like, you know, they have other guys who can step up and make plays. And there's still more to be found, I think, from a guy like Aaron Gordon. I think they could still get some better shots uh, for the team overall just in terms of organizing themselves. 
Um, where I'm concerned with Denver is just their bench, though. Like, I, I don't know, man. Like, uh, Bruce Brown is single-handedly carrying that bench group. Like, Reggie Jackson came in for three minutes. I don't remember seeing him at all. Oh, yeah, Christian I completely Br- forgot he was on Denver, man. That was crazy. Yeah, Christian Brown, like, five minutes, zero points. And it's not like anybody on that bench was like, okay, maybe you can extend it. You know what I mean? Like, it's a lot of guys who haven't really played all that much um, or played way too much like DeAndre Jordan. You know, Thomas Bryant, I mean, the Lakers already cut him. I, I guess he never really found a spot in Denver. But I don't really see what his use would be in this series. It's, you know, so I don't know. Um, yeah, but right now it's just phenomenal basketball, man. Um, it was great to see them step up. And, of course, Jamal Murray, like, the guy almost looks like he's, like, dead tired. And the first half he was taking shots and you're just like, I don't know, is Jamal Murray doing a little bit too much? And then you see the fourth quarter, you're like, oh, yeah, that's why Jamal Murray has, like, the ultimate green light. Like, it's almost like clay asking away. You know, like, because I don't think any Warriors fans are ever going to be mad at Clay, right? If he takes a bad shot here or there. I mean, maybe you see it, you know, this year's playoffs, but like, ultimately, there's still love because they know exactly what he's capable of. And like, Jamal Murray is like the ultimate high upside guy. Like, he just, he literally had 23 points in the fourth quarter. Like, man, that that was impressive. No, that was wild, man. And the stat going around that that's his fourth career 20 plus point fourth quarter in the playoffs. What? Which is the most of any player in the last 25 years. So the other two guys, I think, I think MJ has has two of those, and and Iverson has two of those. Like, um, I haven't looked up the four games, but I'm sure a lot of that came in the bubble too, right? Sure, yeah. I'm guessing because 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 like he went off a couple times there, but but he was also yeah. like fronting LeBron in the post and stealing the ball and stuff like that. No, like, it's I, man, I think that's a I think that's a really ends. good point. It's like it's just the confidence from him, right? Mm-hmm. And like he's only been on this stage once, like in the conference finals in the bubble. And I don't know, man, this team reminds me of Miami in that it's just like they're very well coached. Like, I feel like they just understand exactly who they are. And if anything, they're like a version of Miami, but with way more talent, like across the board. And it's yeah. like, yeah. and it's like, I mean, like, I don't know, man, like I'm still laughing at, at, at Michael Porter Jr. committing that turnover oh, man. when he could get the ball inbounded, which is hilarious. And it's like. You know, if that came back to to bite them, I guess we're not having this conversation about them. But it's just like, yeah. even listening to the mic'd up segments, like like the way that Mike Malone is pushing these guys, mm-hmm. like like I don't know. I feel like sometimes I do take a bit from those like segments. Sure, um, sure, yeah. Like like some some coaches, like a Doc Rivers, is just always like cliches. You know, it's like mm-hmm. oh let's let's keep pushing, guys. You know, I've lost thirty two of these, man. No way, I'm losing a thirty third. Um, and like even Darvin Hamill, I think has done a good job. I feel like they only ever clip him saying stuff like, oh, we, we got to focus, man. Let's focus. But I feel like Mike Malone really dives in. Like he has great control of that group. Mm-hmm. And I guess we never hear from Mike, uh, Joe Mazzula cause he just doesn't call timeouts. <laughs> so they can't even mic him up. No, nah, you know, the mic'd up, you know, the mic'd up, uh, operator is just pissed as hell, man. He's yo, like, I need my content, man. Yo, that's crazy. But like, yeah, I don't know, man, from, from Michael Malone. Also, team. what's he gonna say? Be like, "Yo, this is just like that scene with Murph in the town." Like, no, that's crazy, man. He's like, "Yo, man, we dress up as nuns. Now we gotta guard Kendrick Nunn." <laughs> like, it's crazy, man. But like, is that, yeah, what I don't know, man. About? What the hell? <laughs> no, there's like a scene where they dress up as nuns and they like rob a bank or something. See, this is why I'm not interested in Boston, like Boston media in general. Like, no, that sounds real, like a though. horrible plot, man. For I'm real. Sorry. But like, I don't know, man. Like, I I just came away from these two games like really impressed with Denver. Yeah, like, I don't sure. think there's any more questions to, like, really ask about them, except that they just got to go out there and win this series. Like, that's it, man. Like, there's no, like, I mean, Jokic is just beast, man. Four mm-hmm. straight triple doubles, 
Like the last time anyone did that was Wilt Chamberlain yeah. in 1967. Like, you know what? I kind of get this national media narrative pack thing. Cause like, I think you always talk about this too. Like the league needing to promote guys and like needing to have like global stars and stuff. Like this is the stage where they need to do a better job of promoting someone like Jokic, man. Yeah. Like he's insane. I, and you could just do like the bare minimum. Like look at the stat lines, 23, 17 and 12. 30, 34, 21, 14, 32, 10, 12, 29, 13, 12, 53, 4, 11, 30, 17, 17, 39, 16, 5, 24, 19, 5, 28, 17, 12, 12 43, 11, and 6. Like, yo, <laughs> you don't even have to work that hard. You know what I mean? That's just me opening his like game logs from these playoffs alone in the last two series. Like, no, you that's... Could, that's wild, man. It, it, like, his his numbers are wild. wild. I think the only thing with 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 um with Jokic that I want to critique is why does he come dressed to the game looking like uh, Junior Soprano last night? Oh man, that was so funny, man. Uh, the, the 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 respect too to to Jokic is that he's the only dude I think in the NBA, the only player right now that is showing up in like suits every game. No, it's like, also Danilo Gallinari, man. Put some respect on. Uh, oh yeah, on my the bad. Rooster yeah, to yeah. to little cash. Um, that's that's but, big. That's big cash. Let's be honest, man. Nah, He's like twice on. cash size, man. Nah, come on, man. Shout out to my short king. Um, but like, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, Jokic just got his own 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 steez, man. Like, mm, they're gonna win. Wow. They're gonna win the MVP. Yo, that, and, that's Riz yo. for your era, man. Damn. Yo, yeah, you, <laughs> yo, <laughs> yo, that's insane. <laughs> this guy pulled out OG Riz. Wow. Okay, yo, right. that's crazy, yo, man. Yo, ask Jr. about Steez next, man. I want to see if he knows what that is. Yo, legit. I feel. Yo, man. Shout out to my thirty-eight boys, man. I, no, I, I, I feel. I know, Bobby, si- I know Bobby knows what Steez is. Yo, I feel sixty-eight after saying the words. Nah, Steez you Jordan Crawford, bro. You Jordan Crawford. You yo, steezes. this is insane. Yo, yo, if anybody, yo, that's insane, man. Yo, if anyone, uh, uh. if anyone messes with Steez, man, just just DM me, man, because right now I'm feeling real old. But anyways. Jokic got his steez, man. All right. Uh-huh. Um, I think we're done with this series for now, for, for today. Yeah. Um, unless you have anything else to add. No, no, no. We we have some news notes and items, and we got some shout-outs, too. Uh, yeah, so and then, and then we can wrap up, man. Like, like you know, it, this don't need to be no banter pod, you know? We, we uh, you know, we've given them, we've given them a classic today, I feel like. Have we? Uh, yeah, man. Um, okay. anyways. All right, let's, let's talk a little Nick Nurse um, uh-huh. shout-outs, and then we'll wrap up. Um, Yo, salute to um friend of the program Keith Pompey, man. He's putting in work on this front on both oh, ends today. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, definitely check out Pompey's podcast whenever you can. Um, just go to the ad reads, man. Those are amazing as well. Anyways, no one's ever said that about a podcast, but this right. is actually true. We're not kidding. We're not okay, kidding. this is like all Sixers news right now. Anyways, um, on the Nick Nurse front, so he is meeting. Um, he is going to be meeting with Sixer ownership and management to talk about the vacant coaching position. And you've got a note here too from uh, the Steez God Shams. Oh man, that that Nick Nurse is expected to begin his formal process not just with Philadelphia but also Milwaukee and Phoenix. And quote is expected to be in high demand and could possibly have his job to choose from. Essentially, his own selection process. Wow, this is my first time reading this, and I'm pretty surprised by that. Like, I know Nick has the resume, but wow, that's wild to me that the top three openings mm. he might just get to pick from. Like, I I don't know, man. Like, there's there's other good coaches out there. Who, who do you think a clutch fed that to Shams? 
No, I mean that's fair. I mean we talked about like how. I don't know. That's like reporting on a coworker. That'd be like, yo, Blake Murphy is reportedly the highest um, in in yo, demand uh, uh, radio host in Toronto. Like, that's, no, that's <laughs> no, that's sorry. crazy. No, you you talked about it earlier this week, just like how like searching information gets fed, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and and this strikes me as that because as much as I respect Nick, like I I don't know if he's gonna end up being the top candidate for all three jobs where they're all fighting for him. Like, I don't I know mean, about that. Here's what I was thinking. Um, for because one of these teams got probably got a lot of money, right? Like they probably all got a lot of money. Let's be honest. Like, but like Phoenix, for example, New Order comes in. He's he bought the team for like four billion, right? He's got he clearly got money, right? He just traded for KD. If if I were Matt Ishbia, because I maybe I'm just watching too much of Succession, so I'm just thinking about how like rich people move, you know, mm. uh, Uber elites and stuff like that. Like, wouldn't mm. you just pick up the phone to Eric Spolstra and say like, I'm going to pay you forty million dollars a year? Yeah, that's yeah, that's fair, I guess. But then I guess you would drive the whole coaching market out of whack. Okay, and fine. Su- suddenly, fine. We, Doc we Rivers talk. is gonna come back. Doc Rivers is gonna sign a Jordan Poole extension, man. He's gonna get four years, one hundred and twenty-eight. If Spo's getting forty, here's the thing: hiring Nick Nurse is 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 Gojo trying to purchase ATN. But like, no, it, that's insane. Like, you got to flip it in reverse, bro. Just just, just do the next thing. You know what I mean? Like, okay, look, the Nick thing, like, I, I'm sure he's going to be involved in all these processes. Um, it's interesting that uh, he's just hopping into it now. Um, actually, I, I didn't want to expose anything, but, you know, I, I have some knowledge that he was in Toronto as recently as, like, this past week. Um, yeah, but that doesn't but, mean he can't start. He could have started interviews earlier, too, to be honest. You no, know of course. I mean? But but I think on his, maybe on his perspective, he was pretty smart for him to sort of wait to sort of jump into some of these. Right. Because obviously, you know, a couple of the other vacancies. Yeah. Instead of that, being like, he may be like, yes, <laughs> like, <laughs> like he just picked up Dylan for Tina's call and said, yes. <laughs> but he did need to come back, though, I guess. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I get that perspective. But, I mean, like, yeah, you know, he – the job openings open up fairly um, quickly. I think round by round we've seen more and more openings. And, yeah, I think Nick jumping in now makes makes some sense. But, um, no, I mean, look, listen, uh, we, we, I'm already on record. You know, I, I don't want to see him in Philadelphia. But I do see the Daryl Morey connection. Um, I don't necessarily see the, the, the Sixers as a team that, like, badly needs a defensive upgrade. But – Honestly, I mean, look, Nick has proven to be pretty innovative just in, in general, right? And that's always going to be something that's, that's um, uh, like, appealing to these kind of guys. The way that people guys – the way, like, I think these, like, super rich people think is just a little bit different than um, maybe what, like, other people think in terms of thinking about the bottom line and thinking about the bigger picture. Like, when you sort of, like, tout somebody as a genius, you know what I mean? Like, they – it really does go a long way for, for people of that ilk. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is like the same kind of people who would read a lot of like Malcolm Gladwell and be like, yeah, this is, I need to, I, I need, I need to live my life according to blink. Damn, man. I thought you were going to shut out outliers, bro. Yeah. Like, um, you know what I mean? Like, so, I'm not about to put down like these people. I, I just mean, like, I think it does really carry extra sway when you think about a guy like Nick and also his resume is actually really good. No, so, no. If you if you, you have know. Malcolm Gladwell on your bookshelf and and you're you're a Wulu stand, he just completely disrespected. No, I, I also have Malcolm steez. Gladwell on my bookshelf, but um, that no. that was from ten years ago. So. No, he just he disrespected your whole steez. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Like Nick and uh, Nick and Daryl, you know, they go back in the Houston organization, and mm. they 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 can both audit, get every game audited by Ernst and Young next season if they team up together. Yo, it was actually um, in in Nick's book. 
Um, this is a, a classic like Raptor Yo, how, show. How do you how do you remember so much from Nick's book, man? It's actually crazy. It was actually just pretty revealing, right? Like it was a lot of information you can get on a guy who was very relevant to the franchise. But he mm. talked about in his book about when he got hired with the the, the real Grand Vipers. Uh, first off, he took over from Chris Finch, um, who had that job before that. And so you know, there, it is interesting how like connections in the NBA work, right? Like Chris Finch was also a guy that he coached against in the BBL. They coached together in. Uh, for the the United Kingdom um, in the Olympics. And then, you know, when they got to the NBA, they kind of came to the NBA almost together too. So connections really are super important, I guess, is sort of my point here. But um, yeah, Daryl Morey, I think, came to him with the idea of like, yo, this is what I want to see with my G League team. I want to see what it looks like if we play 40, if we hit like, shoot like a ton of threes. That was like early 2010s. Like it was like, what if we didn't shoot any mid-range? Can you coach that? Can you defend against that? And Nick, you know, was actually like, okay, yeah, I can do that. And I think he he was able to prove with his time with the Rio Grande Valley, he's not just like winning the chip um, with that organization, but the fact that he was able to take that sort of experimental idea from Daryl Morey, that edict, and he actually implemented it at that time when the strategy was still relatively new, at least on the NBA side. Probably in Europe, it was probably already more common, but um, yeah, so I, I think... If I were Daryl, I'd probably look at it in that, from that perspective of like, oh, I've been able to give this man a, a job before and he's been able to do it. Like that's, you know, just like in any sort of like, you know, job reference or experience, this one's very specific, but it, it goes a long way, you know? Yeah, well, but the other problem is, um, and by the way, I've sat up now for this final stretch. Um, I'm now at my desk. Um, okay, good for so, you. So, um, you know, Keith Pompey also reported today that James Harden is going to Houston. Mm. And, you know, that's been a rumor that's been floating around. And, you know, in his story, he said that, you know, Fertitta, Tillman Fertitta loves James Harden and the franchise expects to to reunite him. And before that, before they hired Ime Udoka, like head coach, head coaching candidates there for the Houston job were asked for their opinion um, on coaching Harden during the process. That's why. And, and, you know, personally, too, like this has been talked about that, like James just loves Houston. Um, one source told Pompey, quote, he's treated like a god there. Mm. You know, he's got business ventures out there. His mom still lives there. And my favorite thing is that, you know, Pompey said, quote, for Harden, playing at Houston's Toyota Center is different than in any other arena. Like, I, I, mm. I had no idea the Toyota Center was the most famous arena in the world, man. <laughs> like, what's going on? Anyways, uh, uh, so, I mean, that, that I think, changes the calculus of the Sixers' job, uh-huh. too, right? Because I sure, got to yeah. think, I got to think if, if Harden leaves, and we've talked about that they don't have, like, a clear avenue to replace him mm-hmm. and given the rest of the roster, like I actually don't think it's crazy to to think that maybe MB could be on the move soon. Like maybe you give one more crack at it, depending on, you know, the relationship between Daryl and, and Embiid, you know, maybe the, he can talk Embiid into the fact that he's going to make whatever, you know, these moves, you know, tamper and get another Daniel house, um, yo, and tampering like... <laughs> for Daniel House is the funniest yo, thing, man. Yo, even Mark Savell wouldn't tamper for a Daniel House, man. <laughs> this man Holy. was fixing the housing market, bro. This, you should run for mayor of Toronto, man. Yo, <laughs> but like, I think, I think, uh, I don't know, Daryl. Like, you know, you better learn how to rebuild, buddy. Like that might, that might be coming. I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, so like, if if Harden is gone. And, you know, for all the talk of him going 3-11 in Game 7 all this stuff, like, still, like, that's a huge loss for that roster, especially with no, like, replacement coming in. Like, 
I don't know how I'm looking at that Sixers job if I'm a I'm a head coach interviewing. Yeah, I mean, Daryl Morey's quote on this was, uh, scenario A would be to bring James back. Scenario B, if he's not back, we have to get creative, which doesn't sound like he has a plan B, essentially. You know, um, I'm sure he does because I expect every sort of general manager um, to have all that sort of in place. Um, but, yeah, I mean, James is kind of their guy, right? And and also, didn't Houston get a whole bunch of assets back um, for the Harden deal from the Nets who no longer have James Harden and they have Ben Simmons just sort of stuck there and then they have James Harden coming back to them that would be like actually a really cool finesse you know what I mean <laughs> like, oh man yeah like they'll got... still have some Nets picks and stuff like that so it, it, oh, that's actually kind man. of fire man it's like a, it's like you know what I mean like it, it's like a heist um you, no, it's you, pretty... you didn't even loot you lose the players for like a like you rented out your player for like two years but then he comes back to you uh even when you suck and also you have extra picks like i don't know man. no that that is pretty sick and it did get me thinking too like with with the raptors and, and you know they're whatever like if you want to call it their refusal to trade guys at the deadline mm-hmm. like like i think about teams like utah you know i think about okc i put houston in there too like all these teams that are like building rebuilding and and, and probably starting to trend back up now like the amount of picks that they have that they can that they can use and play with over the next like four to five years is like I don't know, man. Like I wish the Raptors were in that spot. Like I know they're trying to compete mm-hmm. and trying sure. to win now, but it's like those teams have set themselves up so nice, right? And it's like, sure, you had to go through like some like really bad years in Houston. And it's not to say that they're gonna suddenly be good like next year. But, like, even OKC now, you see, like, they're probably going to be a playoff team. You know, Utah doesn't seem that far away. And it's like they've got – all those teams have young guys on their roster that you can get really excited about. Mm-hmm. Plus, they have the draft picks to play with. It's like, I don't know, like, you know, should the Raptors start moving in that direction? Because it seems like pushing the other way to try to win now, it's like you're. it doesn't seem like you can get there as quickly as you can versus tearing it down. Yeah, and not and not tearing it down to the to the point where you're like nine and fifty seven, like the twenty twelve, you know, Charlotte Bobcats. Just but it's MPG. like no, but it's like just you know, tear it down to the point where you know you're just maximizing your assets and like let's just try to flip this over in like two three years versus trying to bang your head against the wall and try to win like forty eight games next season. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I mean I think there's definitely some logic in that, but I think from what the front office is looking at, like. Like, for example, you take Pascal, right? You can trade Pascal probably at the draft if you wanted to. Um, I, I know a lot of people have hypothesized a link to, you know, Portland. Okay, let's just go with that. Let, again, that's just assuming oh, yeah. that Portland The two fan bases have been fighting on Twitter for, like, the last two days. What are you guys <laughs> even fighting about, man? Like, nothing's even happening. First off, Yo. the guy that they wanted was OG. So let's... Yo. Let's fight about that, but okay, yeah, whatever. It's so funny, man. But would you do the hypothetical I saw was, like, uh, Pascal sure. for the number three pick and uh, Anthony Simons. Yeah, sure. Like, I, I mean, I don't think that's a bad place to start. I mean, I would look for other offers as well, but like, mm-hmm. that's that's a pretty good one, especially depending on what you like out of Scoot Henderson, um, who I think probably had worse G League stats than uh, Jeff Downton Jr. But yeah, man, listen, let's let's just forget that. Let's forget that portion. I'm not saying that that makes him a bad candidate. Obviously, he's like eight years younger than than Jeff Downton. But I'm just saying that, like, when I watched him in the G League, I was like, okay, I could I could squint and see that he's a top prospect, but I could also be like, I don't know. I also, like, wonder if LeBron was in the G League at 17 or 18. Like, he'd probably, you know, average 30. But regardless, let's put that aside. That's not describing him. Like, you can go in that direction, 
But I think what Masai and Bobby, the way they think, is probably like, how do we turn Siakam plus another asset into like a, a, a star? You know what I mean? They want to make the sure. Kawhi trade. They don't want to make, um, you know, the Paul George trade that OKC made. Yeah, sure, but I think they got you know to be realistic. I mean? They got to be realistic at some okay, point. Okay, that's man. fine. Like, that's that fine. Kawhi, but I mean, like, we trade is just not there. Like, but that's it. like that's what they're gonna hang their hats on. You know what I mean? Like, ultimately, <sighs> at the end of the day, like, you know, I'm not saying that they don't have more creative ways to go about it, but it's like there are more. one trick is to trade for James Harden and and lose in the in in in, in disp- <laughs> disgusting fashion <laughs> while putting out a, a, a Ernst and Young report. Like Bobby Masai are like you know Kawhi trade merchants. Like you know that's sort of the way they're looking to flip. I don't up, know, man. They they got to. They they gotta they gotta show me something this off season. Then. No, for sure, I, of course. That's what, that's their job, and also they're really well paid, right? Like I think from their perspective, like if you're Bobby and Masai and you're sitting probably in Chicago today for the combine, you look at the news of like, oh wow, Brandon Shanahan just came down and and, and let go of Kyle Dubas. Like I, I'm I, I I honestly I don't know enough about hockey. Maybe there's some more personal side. Maybe it was more mutual, but like that's gotta make you feel a little nervous, right? Like. Oh yeah, so, for sure. No, I, I, you know, job security is never forever, right? Like, 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 even for a guy, for a guy like Masai, and and for Bobby too. Like, they're they're definitely yeah. they're definitely under the microscope. Yeah. For and, and for not this to make this season. and not to make this like Kipper and Bourne because I literally don't know anything else about hockey. But like, I, I understand that Masai and Bobby delivered a championship, and that the Raptors have been more successful and they won more rounds than than what the Leafs have gone through. But like, I don't know the others on the other side. The GM can't win games for you. All they can really do is bring talent to the team. And from what I understand, like, didn't Dupas bring a ton of talent to Toronto? Yeah, for sure, man. So for sure, like, like the, again, like needs... you, gotta, you gotta be a little nervous. No, for sure. Like, like they're definitely under the gun for for next season. And like, I don't know. I I just feel like I think the fan base a lot of times is super protective of of their players too. And this is with every fan base, right? Like, you fall in love with the guys that you draft. And go up with, but like we gotta be realistic, man. Like, like you know, I love Pascal as a player. I love OG as a player. Everything's got to be on the table for this team this summer, man. Mm-hmm, I agree. Like everything's got to be on the table. And like for me, it's not about whether you move them or not. That's a very black and white thing, man. This is me on therapy days. Um, oh yeah. But it's like you got to live in that gray area of like, you know, are you? Is this a good move for for the team? Like that's all I care about. I yeah, actually don't exactly. care about I don't care about keeping Pascal or trading Pascal, keeping OG or trading OG. Like I'm sorry, maybe I'm just not as attached like that, you know, shouts to Emma J. Brown. Um, but it's like like for me, it's just like if the move makes sense, then you just make the move. Mm-hmm. Like I don't that- think anybody any but nobody's untouchable on this roster. And I put Scotty there too, man. Yeah, I'm the same way. I I'm really am the same way. Like I think people have sort of asked me, like, are they gonna you know Am I going to rebuild or am I going to do this? I mean, first off, I'm not going to do anything other than just react to all of this. But like, um, yeah, I'm I'm the same way. I just want to see the best deal made for for the Raptors. Like, I'm not saying that they, you know, like just get more value on the team. I think ultimately that's what you're sort of like looking after, right? You're like, okay, a team like OKC has like all this surplus value from not just having Shea, who's obviously phenomenal, but you also have all these extra picks and all these extra prospects, you know, that you can get excited about, you know, Jalen Williams, the other Jalen Williams, get excited about even Lou Dor, you can get excited about, you can get excited about Josh Giddy, all these other guys. Isaiah Joe, shouts to the, the cup of coffee. Um, <laughs> no, shouts the second cup, man. That's wild. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, you know, like you can get excited in Utah about all, all the futures that come to you, but you can get excited in part not just because you you have those picks coming, but you also know that you have the latitude to make mistakes. Like one thing that I'm, I'm watching with this draft is just like, yo, the Raptors don't have a, they don't have the 
latitude to mit- to miss with the thirteenth pick. Like, and realistically, people miss on the thirteenth pick all the time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like, the Raptors in this position cannot miss on the thirteenth pick. You look at the last time the Raptors had a first round pick, it was Malachi Flynn, or not Malachi, I was, was Scotty, but before that, it was it was Malachi Flynn, and that was just like what the thirtieth pick or the 29th pick. I forget which one it was, mm-hmm. but like. One miss on that pick left you without a backup point guard for the next like three, four years. Now, of course, you could have committed other resources towards getting one. Um, it, but ultimately, like the draft is so, so important for Toronto. And so that's why it's like you probably want more cracks at, at the can. I think from the Raptors perspective, their perspective, when they've when they've been able to develop and draft guys, like they've been able to sort of like really put a lot of time and intention and build a plan for each guy in a way that I don't think is quite possible and like like Houston, for example, I'm not really sure what the plan is for a lot of those guys. All those guys that they've taken in the first round in recent years have probably already like fallen out of the favor. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but still, like when you look at the Raptors' position, like they really got to like nail it all, and they're kind of like narrowing themselves to sort of build through this middle path that they've chosen on. But I don't know. I mean, also, I, I, I've also been able to watch the, and maybe I'm just like passing judgments onto others, and I don't want to do that. But I've just kind of been able to watch the playoffs and like kind of forget about the Raptors you know like like the Raptors position is what it is it's been the same for like you know months now um but when I watch like you know Jamal Murray play basketball I, I'm not thinking in the back of my head like Fred can't do this like that, that's I don't know why other people operate in that way like it, you're just kind of torturing yourself no just, yeah. just, just just watch good basketball and forget about but, the Raptors but, but any fan any fan is gonna have that one team just revolve around Everything they see, you know what I mean. I, I guess, yeah. Uh, but it'd be like walking around with your like your spouse or like your your partner or you know, and you just walking around, and you're like, damn, that person's hot, or like, damn, this person is like, <laughs> you know, makes more money. Like, all yeah. right, like walking around like you smoking that Kendall Roy pack right now. <laughs> Yo, legit. Like, I'm like, what are you doing, man? I got Rava at home, man. <laughs> Yo, I got Rava at home. It's crazy. Where's I'm, Iverson? Yo, I'm still by the Rava, man. <laughs> Yo, that's insane, man. Um, Yo, all these succession views are excellent, by the way, man. I'm, I'm really happy to have uh, finally understood these. No, I'm glad, man. No, and we, the show is good too. But you know, we definitely got to carve out space, do some succession talk next week, mm. um, and do that proper. But yeah, I don't know, man. Like, if if they choose, and I feel like the other thing is like everybody keeps bringing up the fact that they like traded this like was it like a top six protected first rounder mm-hmm. to the Spurs mm-hmm. next year, and it's like, man, if you got to swallow that L, you got to swallow that L. For me, it's like. If this summer, like I'm thinking like in one scenario, it's like, say they, they sign and trade Fred and get something back, mm-hmm. you know, they trade Pascal, let's say for, for number three and, and then a player like an Anthony Simons, and then you still have your 13th pick, right? So like you're drafting three and 13, suddenly you're bringing in two young players and then a Simons type player, whatever you get from Fred, and then you move OG for whatever that package of picks is. Then suddenly you're on that, like Utah, OKC type yeah, yeah. pack. You know what I mean? So it's like you can do that over the course of one summer. Yeah. But like even what... if you made that Jakob move, it's like it doesn't mean that you're like completely tied in. Like sometimes front offices just got to like admit that maybe that was a mistake, mm-hmm. a judgment at the time, and then they just have to correct it. Yeah. I also, to that exact point, like, okay, you resign Jakob Pertle, mm-hmm. and then you're like, okay, I'm pivoting a rebuild. I want to move Jakob Pertle. You could get a first round yeah. pick for Yaka Pertle back. So like you store value, I think either in a pick or in a player. Mm-hmm. Um, now the pick obviously has higher like upswing and potential, you know, like a pick would probably be like, I don't know, man, man, I'm really watching way too much succession, but like, <laughs> no, nah, this is crazy, man. 
you know, if if you're like a stock, want anything else, but mm. like the, the asset is also worth it. You know what I mean? Like if you own the company. So also, just because you're giving that first rounder to the Spurs, like if you trade OG, play you trade Pascal, you'll probably get a first rounder back in that draft, anyways. Like a hundred percent, yeah. Probably not. Maybe not as good a position, especially if you're a bad team next year. And worst case scenario, you forfeit like the number three pick or something, mm. or like the number seven pick because you have a top six protected. Yeah, but it's like. I'm just saying, like, there's ways. Like, I, I feel like people sometimes uh-huh. are so extreme in saying that, like, the Raptors are completely committed to be an all-in team. And I get Masai's talked about that, too, that, like, he's not interested in the business of, like, rebuilding and stuff. But still, like, you know, they got to leave all their options open yeah. this summer. And if, and if the best path is to rebuild, like, they just got to do it. Well, and this is why it's a little strange because I'm just like, I'm not going to be so frustrated in the meantime when, like, nothing's even happened yet. Like, the... Mm-hmm. I think there was time to be frustrated, which was at the trade deadline when they made decisions and it was like, oh, they didn't make the decision that we were sort of expecting. They said at the time that they can find the same trades uh, in the offseason and we can reevaluate then. So, okay, now we're going to get, when we get to the offseason, when we get to the draft, like then we can really evaluate this decisions. Like in the meantime, I'm not like going to argue with a random fan in Portland about whether Simons is good or bad. <laughs> that's the, that's, I'm like, I, I don't I mean, care, also, and also, I like, genuinely don't care. Like, and if it happens, like, let's, let's talk about it. But otherwise, I don't know. It's not even a rumor, too. That's the thing. It's not even like Shams or Woj or, or Chris Haynes or somebody, like, even reported that um, the Raptors are interested in that third pick or that Portland is interested in Pascal and OG and they might throw in the third pick. Like, what are we even doing here? We're, we're arguing with each other, like, literally on, like, fanspo.com. Like, it, I don't know, oh, man. No, if anyone if anyone over the course of fighting with Blazers fans signed up for Twitter Blue in the last two days just so they could reply with four paragraphs, yo, the KOC yo, let tweet? me know, yo, let me know. Oh yeah, the KOC tweet, KOC, KOC going crazy, and, man, and a season summary tweet. Um, anyways, see this this is the type of organic Raptors content you'll get on the pod only mm. that you can't get when I'm staring at the clock from two to three. Yeah, I mean, um, you're also staring at yourself on the TV, but, you know, we've all been there. <laughs> I'm now eating three chocolate bars. Um, anyways. I tell, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother. Uh, uh, what else, man? Oh, yeah. I was going to play a game called uh, What Have the Raptors Official Account Tweeted Lately? But we can save that for next week. <laughs> I, you know what? The last the last couple have been okay. The last couple have been okay. They had think... a little Ron Harper Jr. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that looks, that looked Heritage awesome. Month feature. Yeah. Yeah. So... So some of the guys are just not leaving the city, eh? Like, nah, I don't know. I mean, Jeff Downs been to a Leafs playoff game. Yeah. Um, what else did he go to? He was at the WNBA game, I believe. Yep. Yep. So like, Delano just... was there at the WNBA. I mean, Delano which, lives here. That's different, actually. What which, am I saying? which again, I'm not. I'm not trying to get Jeff Down deported, but like, is he an employee of the of the team? <laughs> like, he doesn't have a contract. This guy said, "Isn't that tampering?" <laughs> no, but he doesn't have a contract. Like, yeah, how but, is he I mean, still property of uh, the Toronto Raptors? Like, okay, he's just first off, people man. are not property of anything. No, but, I know I mean, that. I'm not, of all, but I'm like... not trying to say it like that. But I'm just like, he's, uh-huh. he's not part of the team. Is he part of the team, technically, right yeah, now? who are you, man? Mike Bass of the NBA? Like, what are you doing <laughs> over here, man? Leave Jeff alone. You know what made me mad? It's just, like, the yeah. number of people that just, like, hyped up Jeff down towards the end of the season. I'm like, Bro, what are we doing? Here- what are we doing? We arguing whether he was going to be the difference between the uh, a play in win or not. Like what it, it, it was like a it, yeah. I mean, I think it was people watching Will Barton and getting really down bad. I mean, I, I didn't think it was going to be marginally that big of a difference, but 
I don't know. I think also people were just looking at it as like he deserves a chance, you know, like he deserves a contract. But again, like they sounds like they're just going to sign him in the summertime and he'll be part of the, you know, organizational mix, probably in contention to at least come back for training camp and, and compete for a spot again or maybe even get a more guaranteed a situation than that. But it seems like his future is here in Toronto. Otherwise, why is he still here? So, um, no, that's fair. It, it that's was fair. kind of funny, though. You're right. You're right. It was a lot of like, you know, patting the table I, and being like, this is a last straw. Bobby Masai didn't convert Jeff down. Like bro, like I I come from I come from doing like Kawhi propaganda, you know. Like we're we doing Jeff Down propaganda now. Like how far have we fallen? Man? I mean, I just think that like to a certain degree, like we don't necessarily always need propaganda. Like I think we can just all like experience. We don't need propaganda sort of... when a team is bad. Yeah, like, you're that's, o- you're, yeah, you're, you're right. only supposed to right. over celebrate a team when they're doing well. Nobody should be staying on the Raptors. Actually, that's my firm no. stance right now. No, I'm... I. Su- oh man, yeah, this just makes me angry, man. Yeah. Man. It's been mm. this this podcast has been a journey for me, man. I started in bed, you know. I was on my desk and I went to get three chocolate bars. Why are you eating three <laughs> chocolate bars? Well, hold on. Let's 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 back up. What kind of chocolate bars are you we having right now? Well, these are all minis. So like, I had an O Henry, mm-hmm. um, and now Shots, I'm just eating... your nephew. <laughs> Yo, that's insane. <laughs> Those are your nephews, actually. Yo, that's insane. And I'm yeah. just having these Cadbury like dairy milk. Okay, Derek. Bars. No, this is really our producer, Derek, because I'm going to miss him. I'm going to miss seeing him all the time. Shout out to you, Derek. Uh, Hopefully Mm. Everton doesn't get, uh, you know, relegated. But um, Mm. yeah, this guy will come into the office. You know, our show goes live 2 p.m. He's the producer. He's sitting like behind the glass, you know, you know, hitting uh, Tobias Harris over me. Yo, um, you know, like, was over me. Yo, that was way too enthusiastic. I'm kind of creeped out by you. Uh, you uh, know, and he hits the he hits the Shawn Michaels music whenever yeah, Cash yeah. is in. I know I'm sexy. <laughs> Yo, uh, what's you know wrong what I mean? with you? Man? Um, and then so he he comes in like for 2 p.m. Like he comes in like you know 150 ish, and then he'll come in usually with like a hand like a a no frills bag, a mm. no frills to go bag. That's his lunch bag, just that mm. that plastic bag. And inside is always a carton, two liter carton of nest like nest tea or like uh, Fruitopia, and then like a bag of like Cadbury mini eggs or something like that, like every single day. And then no, he'll offer it to in. us during the break. So that that that's why I'm saying you're Derek, man. I'm gonna miss no, Derek. No, same man. Um, Even though I live like 300 meters from him, I could probably go see him whenever I want. But um, you know, no, it's crazy because like you know you were saying today was supposed to be our last like in studio show. Yeah, and then we we're gonna be off air, and then obviously the Kyle Dubas stuff happened. So for two straight seasons now, you know we've had to abruptly cancel our final in studio show because I don't know if you remember last oh, year. Oh yeah, was when the power outage happened. <laughs> hey man, it's and, okay. and and but it hasn't know, happened since, and that's the importance of going yeah, with Rogers. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Sorry, um, I have a gun um, put in my head right now. <laughs> Yo, that's insane. Man. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It happens, man. Whatever. Um. Um, yeah, so that happened, and then this year it was Dubas. Like, I literally just finished therapy, mm. and you you called me at noon to, to oh, deliver yeah. the great news. It was it was great this morning. Like, you were just like, Hey, man, like, no show today. And like, I literally screamed in joy on uh Dundas and an intersection that won't be named, um, to, to not dox the therapist. <laughs> Well, it won't be that for for much longer, too. Not, not to further dox the therapist, but sorry, sorry, patient, patient, doctor uh, confidentiality, right here. That's insane, um, dude. Anyway, so that's but, um that's a little fun tidbit about the Raptor show. That that was that was hilarious because I I had just gotten out of my house. I was on my scooter. I was like probably like 
five blocks away from my house so like mm. fairly close and yeah i got a call from from dtr boss and he's just like yo man i'm sorry to do this but like we, you know we have to we, we need the air and i'm like you're sorry to do this this is great man you know sorry what? for who man thank you thank you kyle dubas man thank you kyle yo. dubas thank you for your services thank you for adding to the roster you know two rileys um you know matthew nice okay pretty good pick there but um yeah i mean uh, like that that changed for us so literally that was like 12 o'clock no there's there's only so, room for one psycho in the toronto press box at scotia bank arena man and now yeah, it's you're back right. to you brother do you think i got fired because of his conduct because that's exactly what i do every game if not nah, much worse though. i mean if you're not fired he shouldn't be fired you know what you're right actually his conduct. You're, you're right um but then I was like, all right. And then so I called you. You fist pumped. And then I was like, all right, I'm just going to go treat myself to talk <laughs> to, to, to Taco's place. So shout out to Atomic 10 um, oh, up on St. Clair. It's a, it's a really good spot, St. Clair and Dufferin. Um, yeah. I didn't even get tacos. I got like a Korean like barbecue plate. Yeah, you like, sent me your plate, man. It looked good, man. Bro, it was it was great. It was like bulgogi beef. Damn. It was it Damn. was it was it was the rice. But then I also had it with like yuca fries and like a beet salad. And some Damn, guacamole. Man. Like, this it was a great plate, man. Atomic 10 is legit. This guy's Yuka Watanabe, man. That's crazy. Da- I mean, man. damn. <laughs> <laughs> so, actually, the other funny tidbit is, so our uh, in-studio portion of our season ended with Boston Will Lou. <laughs> I think, you know what? I think that was a good note to leave on, man. Shout out to Sweetie. Yo. Why does this sound like you're calling him Sweet Cheeks? <laughs> Yo, here's His the name problem. is very close to Sweet Cheeks, man. Here's the problem with Pod Only. Yo, we need to put a timer, man, because, like, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. you know, I love the banter, but I ain't trying to do two hours every day, man. You, you got any shout-outs, man? I see some shout-outs on here. What's going yeah, on? Yeah, 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 yo. It's just want to give a shout-out. So this was supposed to be an on-air shout-out that I promised, um, you know, yesterday before plans got changed, but just want to shout-out to Cam and Steph in Ottawa. And their 71-year-old mother, Sandy. Mm. Um, Sandy listens to the banter pod, and she's in New Brunswick. Word. Um, so I just can't believe there's a 71-year-old mom listening to me to, to me rap Forgot About Drape. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... Shouts to Sandy, man. <laughs> yeah, um, but, but Cam and Steph, um, you know, Steph told me that they, um, they, they watch our show when they eat dinner um, every night. Like like five times a week when we're on. When are they eating and... dinner? Like are we watch are they watching live or are they watching like on, on like a, the stream or whatever? No, I'm pretty sure they have it saved. Like people oh, have cable. Gotcha. People have cable, brother. They can PV. Well, well, if, if you have YouTube, you could also watch it anytime. That'd I be... know, but it's been off YouTube now. <laughs> right, right, you're right. So you're so, right. so they she just wanted me to know how much they were gonna miss watching us um oh. and watching us laugh and lose it five times a week. But she she says she'll definitely be listening to to the pod. Okay. And um, shout out to Cam. So Cam is a cat dad, uh, just like you. Yeah. So so you're both cat daddies. Mm, and, okay. and Cam right. Cam only wears fresh white Nikes, which is kind of like you too. You only wear fresh red and black Paul Georges. <laughs> Those aren't even fresh anymore. At this point, <laughs> I might I might need a new pair, man. Yo. By the way, yo, speaking of Paul George, Podcast what? P, that guy's are pretty elite, man. Podcast oh, P is pretty good. I I, I I gotta say, he's my number one player podcaster. I like, need a player. He pod clears break. JJ Reddick for me, man. You know I'm a JJ Reddick hater anyway, but he clears JJ Reddick. Just I'm listen a, to a podcast P. No, I'm on a full playoff. 
I'm on a full player podcast cleanse right now. Like I can't listen to a single one of them. You're you're having a player podcast detox. Is what you're <laughs> Yo, me. that's that's what I'm having, man. <laughs> Yo, how is your life serious, man? What the hell? It's crazy. Anyways, so we're off on Monday because it's a long weekend. Mm-hmm. It's a Victoria Day, I believe. That's um, right. Shows shows to Victoria. Yeah. We somehow I, scammed I ourselves out of a poker game. I mean, it's still possible, man. I let it's, NS it's... know. I let NS know if there's two dropouts. You know, if there's one dropout, you should go because I know you want to go. Um, and if there's two dropouts, then maybe we'll make it there. So here's the thing: if the mm. poker goes, if the poker runs late, we can also have reinforcements. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, that's fine. That's so, fine. So that's, so fair. I, that's just fair. just let NS know. You know, we're, no, we're I've, ready I've, and I've let I've let I've let NS know. But anyways, for for the listeners, um, mm-hmm. we'll be back. We'll be re- we'll record our next one probably Monday night after the Monday game. Yeah. Um, and then, um, so we plan on dropping the pods. Um, probably usually, we're gonna record them like at the end of the night after games. Um, mm. throughout the rest of the playoffs. Um, and then hopefully drop them in your feeds. We still plan on being here Monday to Friday. Um, I think we'll keep a pretty flexible schedule. Like some weeks you might get like four pods from us. Other weeks you might get five. Yeah. Other weeks you might get five and a banter pod um so um for for until the rest of the playoffs through june as well like we, we got you covered on stuff and i'm sure like will you're gonna have like raptors focus guests on too now that it's oh easier. yeah, yeah. Like, no i'm gonna do some now draft... that's easier to just book guests yeah, yeah i want to do some draft pods um, i saw blake did a big uh big uh cba you know i want to do a nerd partner. a nerd pod with blake yeah so do that you, next week man that's, you can that's... have your tuesday off as well Woo! This guy got Monday and Tuesday <laughs> off, bro. Holy sh- This guy got the longest weekend, man. No, I was thinking for the, like, I think we should just try to do Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, mm. Friday right now. Like four pods. Monday, oh. Tuesday. Take all a right, break right. on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then obviously if you want to like, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll dash in some extra ones. It's all good. Yeah. But, um, I, think, but I think that's a good schedule just because like, yeah. I mean, I guess when it's pod, like, I'm not worried about the content because, like, we just go on these tangents and then it's all good, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, right. So. It's the life right now, man. Damn. Yo. Yeah, ex- exactly. Enjoy. Um, yeah, I guess I won't, I won't see you every single day in the office anymore. So, um, you know. Yeah. Yeah. En- enjoy a healthy separation. Yeah. No, I'm sure I'm going to. I'm literally going to see you. Am I seeing you? Oh, no. Well, we've got to talk about it off air. I'm not divulging oh, oh, all, our, all our social plans on air, man. I don't know. Um, we just. I guess that's what, what's the banter pod for then? <laughs> <laughs> that's after the fact. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. My bad. My bad. Yeah. Anyways, um, I guess we never have like a proper end. Like we just keep going on this. No, pod. we're just going to keep going, man. This is like, yeah. it's literally not like one of those things. If you've been gonna... pod only, like this literally doesn't affect you. Like yeah, and this is the this is the reason you should be pod only. Not to say that mm-hmm. people shouldn't watch on the streams and stuff like that, of course, but like yeah, this is the most reliable way to find the show, and that's sort of also the medium that we're most comfortable with. So, um, but yeah, anyway, it's been it's been great. Um, you know, thanks everyone for listening. Rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, and uh, have a happy. Um, is it is it is it May two four weekend? Is this what this is? Yeah, May two four man. Happy okay. uh, happy Victoria Day to everybody.